0: Hi and welcome to episode 283 of No Crying in Baseball, the indoor baseball is growing on me episode. My name is Patty.
1: I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi Potty Mouth. Oh my God. We just sound like shit. Really? No, we don't sound like shit. We just sound like we have had a weekend worth of screaming in Miami. Like listen to our voices, people. This is... This is earned. This
0: is a world baseball classic hangover minus yeah. the booze part of it. This is really just the yelling and screaming and the excitement. And the. It, we're recording at 8 o'clock in the morning, which is not like us. And Mm-mm. we didn't even spike our coffee because we cannot do it darn thing more this weekend oh
1: my gosh yeah i'm thinking that might have been a mistake i think i should have gotten like a couple little nips of st- something for of, the of bad decision whiskey Yeah, exactly for <laughs> for right that's, no. that's the problem or bad decision tequila we're here in miami yeah or not the coffee of the room mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i'm
0: i'm good i'm good oh my gosh we are in miami we can actually see Lone depot park from our studio yeah this has been super fantastic and Wow, I'm tired, but I would totally
1: stay two more days if we could. Oh, totally. So if anybody wants to come to Miami for baseball at any point, you know the Marlins do play here, and that and they're i heard be, that they're going to be fun. Um, hit us up for an Airbnb recommendation, <laughs> but remember to bring your coffee filters because yeah, that was that was missing. Although we may do with uh, some paper towels from Lum Depot Park, but we literally. <laughs> Could walk, you know, two blocks to these games, and, and there were so many cars and so many cops and so much traffic, and for us to be able to, like stroll back to the Airbnb and watch the chaos from our balcony,
0: the oh chaos my God. and the roosters.
1: Oh, yes, the roosters. I, will, I just took pictures of the roosters. I missed the rooster fight that you saw earlier. Yeah. But, but our friends, the roosters, have woken us up every morning, uh-huh. bright and early with the sun. This morning, you know, I think they were confused because it was cloudy. That might have been why they went off early.
0: Yeah, the, the, the rooster alarm was 4.30 a.m. instead of 6 a.m., which is, you know, it's not good. But okay, mm-hmm. I'm sure that didn't affect our gravelly voices at all. Yeah. I but think the, we're fine.
1: But the, the rooster population in Little Havana area of Miami is pretty high, we've noticed.
0: We did. And then they were, they were pretty fun. We were kind of counting them and then we just rounded up because it was more fun to do that. Hey, um, so one of the most fun things about he, being here for the World Baseball Classic was everybody was so excited yeah. to be in the ballpark and everybody was pretty friendly, mm-hmm. no matter who you were rooting for. I want to say hi to our new Dutch friends. We sat, sat behind a, a group of guys who custom made their T-shirts for the World Baseball Classic with... Um, with quotes from baseball movies including one that's near and dear to our heart but um yeah it was just I mean, people were coming in they were dressed up in their stars and stripes or yeah. their 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 political stuff or just uh, like the um what's the the mexican wrestling the um
1: oh the lucha libre l- yeah, yeah I mean, the so, guys with those masks
0: yeah I and mean, so people were just leaning in it was such a party and so exciting right. and everybody was like hanging on every pitch and this, this is the best baseball weekend of my life
1: oh oh totally <laughs> totally the the outfits the the usa fans also did not disappoint and there were a lot of like full suits in the stars and stripes or the overalls guys and we i could have done without ronald reagan in front of us though there was a guy with a ronald reagan mask and somebody else
0: yeah the, the reagan mask he had a, an american flag as a cape and he was dancing mm. to fortunate son so we don't think that he quite right. has ever listened to the lyrics but that was okay it was fun for uh, us yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> all but, right we yep. have show shit
1: to do right yeah let's do some show shit. i can't even say show <laughs> show shit. yeah it's bad but
0: okay here we go On today's show, we've got interesting things that have nothing at all to do with the World Baseball Classic. Just a couple of those. We've got our boyfriends for Houston and the Dodgers. This is our last boyfriend week. And we have all the WBC fun and games and mischief of all kinds and a bonus trivia question. Cheers.
1: All right, everyone, you got to check out our Instagram because Patty's shirt is the bomb. She got a really awesome souvenir shirt um, here. We braved the team store various at various points of time and it was it was a scene
0: just so you know there were no medium motani shirts and not a new bar to be seen but other than that we did pretty well on stuff that we wanted
1: right and junior potty mouth nailed that that nicely adjustable as opposed to the velcro ones the the cap and i got the last two miguel cabrera large venezuelan shirts for my buddies so we did well we did all right we can
0: shop we can shop if we want to <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So there's a couple of things. There's spring training still continued while this excitement has been happening here and and other places around the world. And one of my favorite stories of the past week is, um, you may know that, you may not know, that the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals share a spring training facility. You may also be aware that Dusty Baker is the manager of the Astros and his son Darren is a prospect for the Nationals. So they actually live together during spring training because why wouldn't you live mm. with Pops, right, if you're, if you're right there? So the, the teams played each other last week and the bases were loaded and Darren came to bat and Dusty said later that he was hoping for a sack fly. So Darren would get the RBI, but yeah. it wouldn't kill him. In fact, Darren hit a grand slam. And Dusty says, I didn't know whether to be a proud papa or an angry papa. I love my son, but I hate to lose. <laughs> so Darren finished the day with, dinner's on me tonight, pops.
1: That's so sweet. That, that made me very happy. And to to, to gauge the age, I, I can't believe he's playing. This is the little kid who almost got bowled over at home plate in the World Series when, when Dusty was managing the Giants and he got like scooped up at the last minute. And I can't remember, was it Buster Posey? No. Good, no, 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 it was, it was pre Posey. Yep. But yeah, a long time ago when, when he was a little dude. So, f- so. full circle there. Mm-hmm. I want to
0: throw in a line about how crazy baseball rituals and superstitions get started. Also this week, Colton Cowser, who's an O's prospect, hit a 476-foot home run in spring training. And that just for perspective, that home run was longer than any Orioles home run the entire last season and it was the 7th longest home run overall of last season. And, you know, of course, Colton was interviewed later. And and they said, "Okay, well, I mean, come on. Was it your breakfast? What did you have? He said, well, I always have French toast and avocado and bacon every day. But today I added a hard-boiled egg. And you got to know that that's going to be a thing. It's going to be a ritual now. Because if you hit a 476-foot home run, you're going to be adding hard-boiled eggs to your breakfast every single freaking day. The other thing that continues during the World Baseball Classic is rules, rules, glorious rules for Major League Baseball. We're back to sticky stuff. Hmm. Major League Baseball sent around a memo because they love the memos last Thursday where they announced that they are enhancing efforts to to keep an eye on the sticky stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Because... Spin rates started to go up. Oh, there's, there's that hangover voice. <laughs> yeah. Spin rates started to increase at the end of the last season because inspections were kind of rote. You saw them. They were always at the same innings. At yeah. the same time, they were barely like taking a look at anybody. It got really sloppy. So there were suspicions that maybe pitchers were using sticky stuff in the innings that they knew weren't going to get checked mm. or whatever. So Major League Baseball decides that inspections are going to be more detailed and more frequent. They're going to be randomized. Umpires can check fingers, hands, hats, gloves, belts, and pants, you know, <clears throat> waistlines of pants before or after any inning. Managers can request inspections. Umpires can check at the mound in the middle of an inning if they see something that they consider suspicious. Oh, but so the pitch clock. A, <laughs> a, this is a freaking slippery slope, right? Right. right. Catchers are going to undergo routine inspections, including their equipment. Uh, Kevin Gaussman had the the best take on it that I thought was, can we figure out the baseball instead? I mean, this is so complicated trying to catch somebody doing something wrong when if you can just give us a uniform baseball with a tacky covering – Everyone uses the same thing. We got a better grip, and no one needs any of this. But that just seems logical and straightforward. So why
1: would we bother? But yeah, there we go. More rules, more fun. Right, and it's just the scapegoating of the players for a, a systematic pr- uh, problem that MLB could just fucking fix them, themselves. And, and I'm thinking, you know, OK, the pitch clock, but they're going to let umpires walk out whenever they want? Sure thing. OK. All right. We also have baseball boyfriends. These are this is it. The, we've been picking these guys all at, all off season, one from each team. We've done a AL and an NL every week, and we are now at the two teams with the best records for 2022. And we have the Astros. Hey, Susie. So uh, Susie gave me a, a hint to pick David Hensley, who is is slated as DH, also a super utility guy or maybe outfield, um, 26 years old and a super good pick. And actually at the end of the show, I'm gonna mention how maybe he'll be getting more playing time than I even thought he might be. He is a a large man, six foot, six inches tall from San Diego and showed uh, his baseball prowess at a very young age. His dad said that when he first started playing t-ball, they had to have him roll the ball to first base because the first baseman could not catch the ball. So he had no problems throwing it across the infield, but t-ball. He excelled in college. He had a 375 average with an 895 OPS his junior year, and usually folks are scouted in their junior year, and he had no offers through the whole draft. So he was actually drafted after his senior year in the 26th round, which does not exist anymore. He was 792nd overall, but he just wanted to play baseball. So he took the $1,000 that they gave him in 2018 and hopped in with the Astros organization at, uh, at low A and went up. the the pretty much level every year, super steady. So in low in 2018, high in 19, and then comes 2020, where he wasn't anywhere at all because he was a a low level minor leaguer. So what did he do in 2020? He spent the the year, the season, working in a marble and tile warehouse. And what he said was it actually helped him because he was weight training on the job and working out (laughs) afterwards because he was hauling around heavy shit all day. So he ended up getting super strong and, and noticeably excelled in AA in 21. And then 2022, he had a non-roster invite to spring training, spent most of the season in AAA and was brought up in August, debuted against the Orioles with his parents and sister there. And the next day he got his first hit off of Voth with the Orioles. He, um, in his short time last season, so he had a total of uh, 29 at-bats, he played second base, third base, shortstop, and left field, averaged 345 with a 1.027 OPS, and made the postseason roster. So this kid who signed for $1,000, you know, is in the postseason with the Astros, and we know what happened with the Astros in the postseason last year, he um, actually... Shoot, I think it was Verlander who credited him for like having a key hit by the pitch before Alvarez did the, the walk-off walk homer in the first postseason game. So he played two games of the World Series and got one hit in each and is known for just battling it out and working at the plate. And Dusty Baker said that he is a tough out and he can count on him when that is needed. He credits his plate discipline with the time that he spent in the Pacific Coast League because of the automated, automatic, uh, automated, all those things, ball strike system. <laughs> so like a strike is a strike and a ball is a ball. That would and be the, ro- the robo thing. There, yeah. yeah. So we learned how to deal with it. He played in the offseason, I think. So he's listed on the Cangrejos, Cangrejeros de Santurce of the, the Puerto Rican League roster for the winter of 21-22, but their their record keeping is kind of lax i couldn't find any actual stats for him and there was this weird line about him being brought onto team garcia that december and i don't know what that means i think that there is a lot of promise of him being a one of those baseball boyfriends who gives back he just hasn't been in the spotlight that long you know with being up for just a short time last year and he's battling for his space this year Um, But he has lots of volunteer stuff that he did on his Twitter feed at the end of last season and then in the off season, including and it's the stuff where he's actually there. So it's not just he's retweeting or he's supporting. He went to the Ronald McDonald House with part of the Astros caravan. He went to the Houston Food Bank on Martin Luther King Day where um, fans could get a photo op in, in exchange for a donation. I think more food banks should be doing or more teams should be partnering with food banks to do that and visited a local school. I love that he's friends with um, my former baseball boyfriend, Jeremy Pena, also MVP of the World Series. They went to a Rockets game together. And I, I'm going to end with this quote from him, which I think is, uh, should be inspirational for, for us while we're thinking of, <laughs> of other players. He said, everybody has their struggles. Everybody has their times where they're fighting. Those days build character. So David's character is uh, clearly developed, and I am hoping for the best with him with the Astros this year
0: weird theme we've got going on completely Mm -hmm. unintentionally Mm -hmm. my guy also drafted for a thousand dollars by the Astros in a round that doesn't exist anymore that's funny let me tell you about Shaz McCormick who you may be familiar with because of the World Series he's an outfielder he's 27 years old he grew up in Westchester Pennsylvania which means he grew up a diehard Phillies fan more about that later he went to Westchester Henderson High School and he was the first player in school history to score a thousand career points in basketball and a hundred career hits in baseball. wow, That's pretty impressive. He's got three older brothers, including a twin who is older by like nine minutes. (laughs) All of them played college ball. His oldest brother, Ryan, went to Millersville and that's where um, Chaz ended up going. He followed Ryan there. He was not drafted as a junior, even though Houston told him they would draft him in the late rounds. Told him later, oh yeah, I'm sorry, we didn't have any more roster spots. So in the meantime, you know, kept kept playing at, at Millersville and he... Um, has the program and the conference record with 306 career hits and is Millersville's all-time record holder in hits, runs, and RBI. This is an important quote from his coach there. This is going to come true later on, which is the thing that everyone knows Chaz McCormick for. But this was Mm. at the draft time. He said, Chaz is a true competitor. He was exciting to watch. I've seen him save games by making a catch and slam into the wall. Lay out parallel to the ground and make a diving catch to win a game in a regional and win multiple postseason games with walk-off hits. It was never about him. He always played his heart out for the program and his teammates. Yes, he set many records, but I'll remember him for being unbelievably clutch. There's no one I'd want up more with the game on the line. So think about those game-saving catches in just a second. So he was, in fact, drafted as a senior in 2017 in the 21st round, which no longer exists, and he thinks about that a lot. He mm-hmm. understands how how everything lined up to get him where he is because mm-hmm. otherwise, who knows where he would have been, right? A lot of the articles that I read about him refer to him as an overachiever or having exceeded expectations. I mean, as this is like um, underpromising and overdelivering, right there is what's happening. That, and he said scouts looked at him differently. Right. They didn't mm. just see him light it up at a batting practice and saying, Oh, that's our guy. He said, The more I played, especially in college, the more people realized I was a gamer. I wouldn't take batting practice to have scouts say, Wow, he's putting on a show. It was more, you've got to watch this kid play nine innings. Right? So it's it's the whole game, it's the whole package. Yeah. His debut was in April of 2021. So my guy Miles Straw, who I profiled for the Guardians, I said was traded away from Houston. He was a center fielder. So when he when he got traded to Cleveland, that kind of opened up center field for Ches McCormick. That kind of gave him an opportunity. And as you'll see, people get blocked because there's guys who are really good in their position. Right. It's hard to break in unless someone is injured, and nobody wants that to happen. All right. So, the beginning of 2022 starts off with the Astros, but in June gets optioned to Triple A. And he's really disappointed. He's completely bummed out. Before he can even get on a plane to go to the Triple A team, Michael Brantley got hurt. And Dusty said, "Okay, yeah, yeah, never mind. Just kidding. You need to stay up." And he said it was his reset button. He started playing better. He said, "I started meditating instead of pouting," and he really poured it on. In the postseason, he had two home runs in the ALCS against the Yankees, including a homer off of Garrett Cole.
1: Mm-hmm. But what
0: people most know Chas McCormick for, if you're not, if you don't follow Houston was the world series against philadelphia against his hometown team wow. so he got a lot of attention that because you know a hometown boy comes home mm-hmm. playing for the other team this was his first time playing at the bank this this was his first time playing in philadelphia in this this ballpark that was kind of his dream to play in and so we had friends and family and everywhere i said yeah it was a mix of good luck but we hope the phillies win because of course <laughs> what are you going to do right? right what are you going to do so what he's famous for is that game five catch at the wall to rob um jt Realmuto of a home run and If you recall, he landed flat on his back in the dirt in the outfield. There's lots of photos looking down at that, showing like the chalk outline of him sprawled out, right, catching that. He said, my 12-year-old self would be really upset with me for making that catch. Wow. But it was so crazy and stressful playing against his hometown team. He said, even my parents, after the series, sitting down having dinner, said, thank God that's over. Right now, he's in competition with Jake Myers to be the starting center fielder. Here's an interesting thing that they have in common. If you don't count pitchers and switch hitters, which are their own own thing altogether, there's only 69 major leaguers ever that have been righty hitters and lefty throwers.
1: Huh. There's
0: eight currently in the major leagues. These guys are the only two on the same team since the year 2000. Ricky Henderson and Brian Lester with the Mariners had the you know the, the the bat right throw left, and both of them are otherwise righties, but they throw left and and as a left-handed person who only writes with her left hand and does everything else with my right hand. I can appreciate
1: that. So I'm pretty
0: excited about Chess McCormick, my favorite underachiever, or over-deliverer guy.
1: Yeah, and I know our friend Susie has a TikTok with, with her undying love for Chess McCormick, which is something something to check out there. All right, we are on to the Dodgers. And I'm excited because last night we saw the U.S.-Cuba game, more on that. But as I was prepping yesterday, I thought, geez, I should have looked into who is Cuban. And little did I know, I actually had because I had previously picked Miguel Vargas. So hopefully will be playing second base for the Dodgers. He has not played second base before. He came up playing first and third, but he is an eager and a quick learner. And so he's working on it, and hopefully it's going to be it's going to be working out right now. Um, also, not to be confused with the Dominican Republic presidential candidate who kept fucking up all my searches when I was looking for <laughs> Miguel Vargas. This Miguel Vargas was born in Havana, Cuba, and he comes from baseball blood. His father, Lázaro Vargas, was a huge Cuban baseball star of the 80s and 90s with the Havana Industriales, and he also played... On the national team. So with the industriales, Daddy Vargas had a 322 career batting average over 16 seasons. He got two Olympic gold medals with the national team, and he later managed the industriales, and he is even on the 15 cent stamp, although I'm not sure anymore, because Miguel, you know, was was expected to follow in his footsteps. He was on national teams since he was Biddle. Um, he w- he was on the 15 and under team in 2014 batting 382 and he started playing with the Industriales when he was 14 so everything was lined up for him to follow in dad's footsteps and then they disappeared they defected together in 2015 dad was 51 years old miguel was 16. i couldn't find any details about how they got out where they went i'm guessing dad is not on the stamp anymore in cuba as a result (laughs) and uh, they just had to sort of wait it out and See where he would be signed. He was signed in November 2017 with the Dodgers, and then played four seasons with them in the minors. Every season, his batting average was above 300. I think you can hear the rooster in the background (laughs) at this point. One of them. There's so many. Yeah. There's. He played in the Futures Game, which which is super fun. uh, In last year, in 22. And there's a mic'd-up bit for him that's on YouTube, and his English is is very impressive, so I'm not sure where he got that along the way, but check out his mic'd-up bit from the Futures game. He made it up for a cup of coffee last year, 18 games with the Dodgers. He debuted on August 4, and in his debut game, he went 2-for-4 with 2 RBI and a steal. So that made him the second Dodger ever with both an extra base hit and a steal in his debut. He then struggled, but it's, you know, it's just not a, a good amount of time to judge what he's going to be doing this year. He ended up with a 170 average over 18 games, but spring training, he... <laughs> there's that rooster in the background uh, well <laughs> all right just just consider it a, i atmosphere. don't know a, that's it that's it it's definitely the atmosphere see there you go with finding the right word at the okay, right I'm time here again for you oh my gosh oh my god my, my voice is going with this <laughs> so is spring training interestingly his his first eight at bats for spring training He had a 500 on base percentage, although no average, because he was not swinging. And this is very humorous because he was not swinging because he had a fractured pinky. So presumably, everybody would know that he's not swinging, including the pitcher, Although Dave Roberts said that maybe some teams hadn't gotten the memo because he's he's, he's on base half the time. He's just standing there. <laughs> but I guess it's, it's you know. some damn strikes. Right? <laughs> Spring training, right? Yeah. You know, trying out new pitchers, whatever. So he started swinging on March 8th. The first three days, he had three doubles, and his first home run was just a couple days ago, Friday the 17th. So I am super hopeful that Miguel Vargas is going to be using the rest of his training time well. He's also being um, (laughs) mentored by my almost uh, forever boyfriend until he left for the Dodgers, Pookie Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts um, took him under his wing last season when he came up. Because the kid was looking for a place to get in, you know. So when he came in, he wanted to be able to be versatile, play any position he knew he had the infield. And he went to Mookie and said, I want to learn how to play outfield. Mookie, interestingly, you know, we know that he's in the outfield, but he has wanted to play second base. And we saw him on second base last night. They they put him in there, you know, probably just because he wanted to do it. And they had a huge lead. So Mookie said that um, he wanted to pay it forward because he remembers his own experience when he was a rookie on the Red Sox with Dustin Pedroia and David Ortiz taking him under their wings. And so that's that's a pretty, um, you know, solid start. And Vargas, on his end, appreciates Mookie's, Mookie's efforts and said, since the first day I got here, he just kind of took me under his wing. Not only that he's helped me, but just the way he's gone out of his way to do that for me. I'm just honored and proud to be able to call him a teammate and a friend. So Vargas is already in the Rookie of the Year conversation, along with my previous pick, Corbin Carroll, and the Mets pitcher, Kodai Sanga, and we will see what happens with that. He did not play in the Cuba game last night because he really wants to do well in his rookie season with the Dodgers, and he's focusing on being with that team 100%, being with their coaches 100%, but he's not making a statement against playing on the Cuban team. And he actually said that he would love to next time, which is fascinating considering that there is very little information about them leaving Cuba. So I'm excited to see Miguel Vargas on the Dodgers.
0: And that leads me to point out again that the World Baseball Classic is giving a lot of people opportunities to be seen both on the big stage of playing in the Classic but also when a lot of your teammates leave your MLB team to play yeah. the Classic, you get a lot more playing time in spring training, and your coaches see more mm-hmm. of you, and others see more of you, and see what you can do. You have more opportunities to prove yourself both ways. Yeah, That's pretty exciting for a lot of prospects, a lot of younger guys. My Dodgers guy is Michael Bush, possibly a second baseman, who's 25. He's from Invergrove mm-hmm. Heights, Minnesota. And we have talked before about baseball players from cold northern places having less time to play baseball, less right. opportunity because of the weather. And it doesn't mean they don't have the skills, but it, they have le- le- you know less opportunity to play. But they have more opportunity for hockey, which I'm a big fan yeah. of. <laughs> Michael Bush made his varsity baseball squad as an eighth grader. I don't know how that's possible, but it was possible. He also spent three years playing varsity football and hockey. Wow. Three-sport guy, not the usual constellation of three sports. Mm-hmm. He was the quarterback who led the high school to his first appearance in a state championship game ever. And he's a real proponent for not for kids not focusing on just one sport. You see a lot of that. people, oh, you're you're good at baseball, you're gonna do baseball all the time. We're yep. gonna get winter clinics, we're gonna do this, you you're only gonna do baseball. He says no. He says that like stick handling the puck in hockey helped hand-eye coordination Mm. that's crucial to hitting. He said playing quarterback in a triple-option offense imparted lessons about the importance of physical and mental toughness. So he gained a lot physically and mentally by playing multiple sports, and so he really is sort of a spokesperson for that. He went to the University of North Carolina, and at one point he led the Tar Heels in home runs, RBI, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, and walks. He did It was great. Lit it up. He played primarily first base in college, which is what you're talking about with, with Vargas. He was mm-hmm. a natural first baseman, but then the Dodgers converted him to second base. Now they have a glut of second basemen. Between his first year at UNC and his sophomore year, he raised his batting average from 215 to 317, and he went from three home runs to 13 in a season, so something clicked wow. for him. It seems like that first season was the adjustment from now. You're playing with these guys who played a lot more baseball than you did, Mm -hmm. and you have to adjust to better pitching, more competition, all that. And it clicked in, and he did, and he did great. He was a first round draft pick by the Dodgers in 2019. In the minors this past season in 2022, his last double A game, he homered, and then a few days later, he had his AAA debut. And he homered. So his bat was pretty good until he had this little bit of a slump in August. He went 0 for 11. And then all of a sudden, in a triple A game, he had a five hit, five RBA, RBI game, including a three run, um, opposite field home run and four singles. So the kids got a bat, right? He finished the season, it was all, all minor leagues, with 32 home runs and 108 RBI between double and triple A last season great stats in january mlb pipeline had him at number two on the top second baseman prospects and said he's got a very Hmm. similar offensive profile as max muncie they're kind of like shaped the same way they said but he's a better pure hitter than muncie but here's where he's going to have a problem we talked about how banning the shift affects second basemen primarily who are less Let's go to defense. That's, yes. that's not their strength because you can't hide it. You can't hide the fact that you're not stellar at defense when there is no more shift. And that used to be how you would keep somebody's bat in the game. It's like, oh, we can put you at second. We can cover you with um, with, with the shift and we, we, we get to keep your bat. That's going to be the tough thing for him. Mm-hmm. So he was, in fact, was just sent back down from spring training to minor league camp. But uh, what I've read said he's very likely to be one of the first people to be called up when they need a position player. And he's another one of those guys, you know, started at first. They've been working him at second. He's, he's utility. He can kind of play everywhere. And he's also one of those guys that's blocked. They've got Freddie Freeman at first base. Vargas is very likely going to be their starting second baseman. Yeah. They've got J.D. Martinez as their designated hitter, right? Mm-hmm. So this year could be tough. He, he's the guy that you call when you need somebody. There's a a thought that maybe next year Muncie's contract is over, so so he's kind of an unknown, which mm. may move Vargas around, which may free up second base for Bush. Who knows? So this year is way up in the air. So I'm picking him too early. But Dave Roberts says <laughs> things change quickly. He's not out of sight or and uh, not out of mind. We we right. still have him there. So here's a couple things that make me really really appreciate Michael Bush. Uh, he was interviewed when he was the star quarterback and he talked about how he never skips the Taylor Swift song on you know on his playlist and that's still the case <laughs> so he's still a swifty and he's also still a hockey fan and i noticed you I know mean, we always check everybody's twitter feeds to see if there's you know any any scary stuff that we should be aware of and my favorite thing that he had posted was on february 6th 2021 which is an important day because it's our intern's birthday and also adley Rutschman's birthday apparently it was also the day that the movie miracle one of the greatest hockey movies ever made debuted in movie theaters
1: and you didn't know that previously I I didn't
0: know that previously but Michael Bush did wow and and there's that and I'm gonna gonna leave you with a quote also he was asked once what's the best sports advice you ever received and he said there may be people who have more talent than you but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you sweet next week pictures and predictions my friends
1: that's almost it. So that means if you want to play fantasy baseball with this us, yep. get your name into us uh, as soon as possible. We'll be confirming that as soon as possible. You might be taking notes on guys that we have not picked because those are the guys who are open for you guys to put on your fantasy teams. And there are lots of rules involved. So <laughs> talk to stupid, Patty Stupid, stupid
0: rules. Yeah. Stupid, stupid rules. All right. We're back to World Baseball Woo-hoo! Classic with our gravelly, gravelly World Baseball Classic Hangover Voices You've all seen the horror that was Edwin Diaz hitting the ground after a celebration when when Puerto Rico won. He ended up with a torn patellar tendon. Mm -hmm. This is where working for the Mets is a good thing. He had surgery the next day. The Mets doctor and the team's medical director were both in town for the WBC, so they were on it immediately. His home is in Florida. So... Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets and the team have supplied him with a trainer, a nutritionist and a personal chef to make sure his recovery is as smooth and as easy as possible. And he'll be starting rehab shortly. The recovery time typically for the torn tendon is eight months. It could be shorter. He's, you know, Diaz is being very optimistic, saying, oh, I'll be back. I'll be back. That would be awesome and also surprising because mm-hmm. likely who he, he will not. The Mets, bless their little hearts, are treating it as a freak injury. They're not blaming the world baseball class. they like, yeah. no one could have predicted this. And as we know, people are getting hurt in spring training too. Mm-hmm. So they're not saying, No, 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 the world baseball classic is is bad because it's taking our, you know, our stellar closer away from us. We talked earlier about insurance for these players and how, some, like like Kershaw, couldn't, right. they, they couldn't insure Kershaw to come play. So they, they did, were able to insure Edwin Diaz, which means MLB's insurance is going to cover Diaz's 2023 salary of $18.64 million, so the Mets
1: don't have to. That's all the right thing to do. I just wanted to go back to... Um to that moment. So this is the end of the Dominican Republic-Puerto Rico game, which was, I, you know, even having been here the past three days and the intensity that we have seen and the the emotion and the crowd, I think that game was probably the best and the most intense of the entire world. And it was a first round game. I mean, this is pool play. And it was like game seven of the World Series. And everybody was so into it. And then when Puerto Rico pulled it off in the end, I mean, the Dominican Republic was favored to win the whole thing. right? So for Puerto Rico to have that win and that Mona celebration, and we were watching on the big screen in the basement, and we were all excited, and then it was like just this hush. And Kike Hernandez um, took up the role of sort of like team team speaker. Like he he did very well with the press after that, and he said it was just quiet in the in the dugout afterwards. It was like you know no celebration, and so that. It just makes me sad that they weren't able to you know enjoy that moment yeah yeah and then that they weren't also weren't able to you know they were hoping to come back in and play the next game and win it for for sugar diaz and they weren't able to do that either so i don't know so we did see puerto rico's next outing which was super exciting and i mean i i was like just torn up Again, because of Puerto Rico's loss, Puerto Rico against Mexico, I was so pulling for Puerto Rico. And they had Daddy Yankee in the house, who, you know, famous uh, reggaeton star from from Puerto Rico, also a baseball fan. He tried out for the Mariners back in the day. He wanted to be a baseball uh, player if this, you know, music thing didn't work out, which it seems to have done pretty well. And he's actually co-owner of the Cangrejeros de Santurce in the Puerto Rican League, his baseball career ended when he was shot outside of the re- recording studio oh, and Lord. so could no longer train to be a baseball player, ended up with this backup plan and is doing really well. And not only did he come out for Puerto Rico, Mexico game, but even after Puerto Rico took the loss the next na- night, he came in to the stadium with a Venezuela hat. So power to him for that. Uh, the Puerto Rico team you know the the unity i was pulling for them too because they they came in second for the past two world baseball classics and they have the team rubio thing and they have the whole island behind them christian vasquez in an interview afterwards said that and i i couldn't figure out how to verify this i tried really hard but according to christian vasquez there were four days of no crime in puerto rico (laughs) because everybody was watching the game 61 percent of the island, we're watching the Dominican Puerto Rican game. So then we see uh, the Puerto Rico Mexico game, up and down, so much heartbreak. They bring in Edwin's brother Alexis Diaz, and he ended up taking the loss.
0: So when they brought him in, they brought him in with the trumpets. They brought yep. him in with with Edwin's walk in song. They had Edwin Diaz's jersey hanging in the dugout. The entire ballpark went nuts. This is this is totally the the huge buildup, and yep. it was it was it was completely heartbreaking that he wasn't able to follow through. But I mean, emotionally, he must have yeah. been a wreck too.
1: Yeah, what pressure! I yep. mean, it doesn't get any more than that. And I think you know Yadier Molina handled it as well as he could. He got him out pretty fast, and. And it was just a hard, hard game. Uh, Marcus Stroman, I was excited to see, uh, open the game, even though he we saw him let up a couple runs. And he, of course, was the MVP of the last World Baseball Classic pitching for the United States when they won against Puerto Rico. So, you know, and now with the U.S. going further and – having a lot more success this time around, you sort of wonder what's Marcus going to do next time. And he already committed to go back with Puerto Rico because he, he feels like it's a better match for him. They yeah. have the swag, they have the party, and he was actually recruited to, to pitch for Puerto Rico by their Little League team. This past year oh. that they, they had this big, like, come pitch for us, you know, do your mom proud because his mom's Puerto Rican and it worked and he's sticking with them. So love it. Power to that. It was a fun game. U.S. Venezuela was also a super fun game. Despite the fact that there was another injury, we saw Jose Altuve go down. I was uh, I was afraid when he went down that it was at his head. I thought he got hit
0: in the head too. the way he dropped. He yeah. dropped like a rock.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was it, it whatever happened hurt and well what happened was his thumb was fractured. So he was hit by the pitch um, by Daniel Bard, who just almost lost the game for the United States. And, and I definitely have a soft spot for Daniel Bard because of his journeyman, you know, history and his time with the Red Sox. But they put him in. He couldn't get an out. He let up four runs. His and, e- and he broke Altuve. And he broke Altuve. Right, right. And, and his ERA for, for the World Baseball Classic is 43.20. So Altuve, though, is known for not missing games. He is one of those guys who will play no matter what. He hasn't missed significant time in a season since 2019, uh, where he was out for a month for a hamstring. But even before that, in his 10 years, that that was his biggest time on the IO. was that one year with a month. Um, Just for reference about how long he could be out now, Bryce Harper last year missed two months because of a broken thumb. What does this mean for the boyfriend that I picked just now, David Hensley? He might get some more playing time because he is that utility guy. They could put him in, for a second. Or uh, Dubon, uh, my, my past boyfriend who came over from the Giants, he could, Mauricio Dubon, he could also play a second because he's another super utility guy. We did see that magic moment in the eighth inning. So it was just so tight. It was a t- tight game. Venezuela was in the lead. And then Trey Turner turned the tide in the eighth inning with a Grand Slam and became the newest All American hero and uh and that was it. I gotta say it. there
0: there is really nothing like watching a come from behind Grand Slam. Yeah. I mean, it's a home run like any other home run except, oh my gosh, it right. was it was clutch. It was the right time. It was so exciting to see I, that I, I wanna reiterate that the three WBC games we saw, everybody in the stadium was in on every Mm -hmm. single pitch everything was swayed everyone's feelings and enthusiasm complete it was it was unreal uh the my favorite fallout from the trey turner uh yeah from the grand slam and then hitting home runs again last night right his name is very easy to pun so there were the oh trey can you see posts and the 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 trey for two and all of those and i i was kind of Kind of digging that, but I'm going to just stick with Potty Mouth with Trey Turner, American
1: hero. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. And it was such a solid uh, split for that time for the Grand Slam because they were down by two, which is, you know, you got to put that's a little bit extra effort to catch up. And then they're ahead by two. So then with just an inning left to play, it just it was a huge Tide Turner, Tide Turner by Trey by trade turner by t- tide turner oh man see there is See, a you, there's so much you can do you. with this tide turner by trade turner say that 10 times fast i can't even say it once so then u.s cuba play wise was a, a definite um decrease you know in in the intensity of play the united states blew away cuba I, was It was a two to fourteen i think was the final score and it was clear from the get-go that the United States was going to walk away with this. but It was not. You, you think so? Well, The I guess, first inning, yeah, Adam Wainwright
0: inning. loaded the frickin' bases. Yeah, that's he true. He managed to get out <laughs> with, with only one run scoring. But I, like immediately, we're all like, holy crap, right. this is not going the way we thought it was going to go. And poor Wayno couldn't feel to save his life. Right, but that's he, right. But he ended up coming back, you know, because he's, he's a vet and he can do this stuff. Ended up being okay, but it started out like it was, oh no, this is going to be an upset.
1: Right, right. And him walking too, that was a little bit, because, especially because we had seen Martin Perez the night before not make it out of the first inning for Venezuela. So to like have these big names... Choking up in the first inning. First innings, actually, all along were intense. Crazy, So if you're going to watch like just part of the game, just watch the first inning of any of these games. They were super fun. All right, but then after that, then after that, the United States blew it away. Um, Trey Turner, previously mentioned, had two home runs, which was the first multi-home run game in the World Baseball Classic since Ken Griffey Jr. in 2006, who notably was on-premises. As the batting coach. He's pretty much did his job well. And actually, yeah, the whole team stopped to watch him take batting practice like the entire team around him Um, three home runs and eight RBI we watched in person by Trey Turner that was kind of cool yeah they didn't say it yet but I think it's coming so even though, you know, it ended up with a huge blowout, and it's fun watching lots of home runs fly, um, Miami Cubans showed up in force and we kind of had, a, we had a feeling or we kind of understood the the political situation here where Cubans would be showing up for the team and I was wondering if it was going to be in favor or protest. And I think we saw a lot of both, but very heavy on the protest, three People jumped onto the field during the Three course of the game. Three
0: separate times. Three separate innings.
1: Yep. With a protest sign, with a flag. One guy made it like all the way into the infield. Like he ran all the way across. And, and the the security was totally ready for them. They came out and they, they brought him down. But there was a lot of cheering for the guys jumping on the field. There was booing for the first time so that's you know I always feel yucky about booing during a baseball game although in this case I understand if not I don't condone it but I kind of get where it was coming from yeah
0: we're definitely anti-booing but I think when we say it I know personally I focus on play don't boo somebody because they're not playing well they know they're not playing well this was a different kind of boo
1: yeah and the boos were strongest for the MLB players who have chosen to play for the Cuban team. And we talked to a couple people about this afterwards. And they said they feel like they're being hypocrites because these are guys who fled Cuba, defected from Cuba and here they are playing for the Cuban team. And that's Juan Mancada and Luis Robert. I don't know. I mean, I I can understand both sides. Uh, Miami Cubans are very forceful with their, with their political opinions. And, Sometimes I get a little bit sketchy about it because it goes into the ultra-conservative, like the, the ultra-conservative Cubans here are a big voice in politics, and that can be problematic. Yet, it's hard to judge. Like, I haven't walked in those shoes. And right. and there are a lot of people talking about, um, you know, how the government is so repressive and that there's the, the economy is so shot in Cuba, so... I don't know. I I think we need to talk to some more people. But baseball, once again, you know, is intersecting with as a microcosm of society and allowing people to express themselves.
0: There were a lot of fans in their Cuba gear who were like sleeper agents. They were cheering. They were cheering for the Team USA. Yeah. They were decked out in because that's the Cuba's the land of their birth or their family's heritage yeah. so they were in their Cuba gear but that's like not who they were rooting for because of their political leanings it was fascinating
1: yeah we were hanging out on Cayocho, which is the center of Little Havana before the game and everyone I talked to there was just go USA go. USA. although the Cuban uniform very snazzy very snazzy I like it indeed a couple of things overall about the
0: about the World Baseball Classic. I kind of miss the pitch clock and the limits on mountain <laughs> business because every once in a while things drag. But as we pointed out, a lot of pitchers got into a lot of trouble, so that, right. that I'd be dealt with quite a bit. But I was like, wow, this is dead time. <laughs> this, this isn't the fun part. The World Baseball Classic this year set attendance records from the start and just kept going, a million fans around the world attended first-round games, which is almost a double the attendance from 2017. That's amazing. The marketing was so much better. Yeah, it was. I think it was, it was targeted. It was personalized. It was more widespread. It went into a lot of places. Tokyo Dome had the record for the highest average attendance in the first or second round. They had more than 36,000 people uh, average at each game that was uh, hosted at the Tokyo Dome. The Mexico-USA game in Phoenix had the record for the highest attendance for a single first-round game, 47,000. Part of that's got to be ballpark size because that's pretty right. big for a ballpark, but that's pretty exciting also. And at the time this article was, which was just you know during the second round, there was a record for the most merchandise purchased, and that was before these games to go. And as we've pointed out, we couldn't get things that we wanted yeah. because – I th- it was not anticipated that it was going to be this crazy.
1: Yeah, I think, in even bigger, and I wish I had, li- I had written down the numbers, but um, television, global television watching is just through the roof. And if you compare it to the amount of people watching, say, a World Series game, it's much, much higher. So globally, the World Baseball Classic is a stronger event than the World Series. I mean, we, you know, in this country have our World Series hopes and, and opinions, but this is something that is bringing baseball to lots and lots of people. So I think it's I'm a huge, huge fan of this event.
0: It's also not just growing the game, but it's this chance for for baseball players to have some character yeah. and have some fun and to be humans. Lars Newbar, playing for Team Japan, doesn't speak Japanese. And he was immediately taken in by the Japanese fans, adopted him. A local ramen restaurant started Newtbar Noodles. And you may remember us talking about Lars Nupar doing like the pepper grinder signal uh, during MLB games, apparently. That happened through the World Baseball Classic and pepper grinder sales went way the hell up <laughs> in Japan. Although Lars Nupar thinks that's just his teammates going out and buying them. One of my other favorite stories, we mentioned last week, there was that headline saying an electrician strikes out Otani. This was during the um, Japan-Czech Republic game. The electrician's name, I hope I can say it anywhere near right, is um, Andre Satoria, who cayed Otani on three pitches. I didn't realize that initially. But then Otani did this really lovely thing. He followed up and he asked the pitcher for his jersey and had all of the Czech Republic team autograph that jersey and then he wore a Czech Republic cap walking into the game versus Italy. That's so cool. So like there's this whole like, you know, international cross thing. It's yeah. it's growing the game, it's making people human. It's it's celebrating these guys who have day jobs right. in the Czech Republic playing good baseball. It's really pretty fun.
1: Yeah, and if, if you look you know, just on Instagram feeds of any interviews, I've only seen guys saying this is the best experience I've had playing baseball, to be able to play for my country. And no matter who, there's a great one from Adam Wainwright actually saying this is my best experience as a 41-year-old guy who's done everything, playing for the USA and hearing people chant USA. Well, I didn't like that chant, but you know, he liked it. And and the the feels around that. It's just yeah. so cool. It's so cool.
0: Also, along those lines, it was interesting to me to watch Team USA start out as like an all-star team. Yeah. You guys just kind of throw them together and they're going to do that. And, but by the end, the last the two games we saw, they were playing yeah. like a team, right? Right and thank you may i just say thank you for putting in bobby witt and cedric mullins that was my sort of personal come on put these guys in and they did and they did just fine oh yeah
1: even if they couldn't fucking spell bobby witt's name on the on oh my god it's not that hard screen, they had bobby Witt. yeah
0: I have a trivia question for you that is not at all World Baseball Classic related. Okay. okay? We're going to end with just, you know, back to just other things. All right. What,
1: oh, man. It's, it's like bringing me back from vacation. We got to get on a plane in yeah. a couple
0: hours. So it's, we got to start winding up. Okay. Right. And this is actually, this may or may not be about a plane. What do the Yankees and the Cincinnati Reds have in
1: common? May or may not be about, about a plane. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, boy. Mm, well, it can't be World Series titles. Um, I don't know. Those are the only two teams where the players are required to pay for Wi-Fi
0: on the plane.
1: Are you serious? I am serious. The Yankees can't fucking afford Wi-Fi for their players. That's ridiculous.
0: So it's kind of hilarious that although the Yankees apparently have poker tables on their plane. All right, well, maybe they're just trying to encourage you know human interaction as opposed to I don't know, but positive spin. Clearly, owners have a bazillion dollars, but so do a lot of the players. I mean. So Stephanie Epstein of, of Sports Illustrated did a, a piece on this. And she said for a team at the going rate, it would be about $40,000 for a whole season to pay for the whole team to have Wi-Fi on the planes. And she compared that. to that's like four Garrett Cole pitches. 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 Not pitches. even games. Pitches. Not even innings. Pitches. And pitches. then um, Brandon Marsh, my one of my favorite Philadelphia Phillies, said, yeah, not only did they have to pay for Wi-Fi, but they also have to shave. Yeah. So, not, not the Reds, though, right? Not the Reds. Just the Yankees.
1: Oh my god! We have to leave Miami. I don't want to go. This sucks. So right now it's now it's nine ten, which means I have some editing to do, and then we have to pack and get on a plane. And it looks like the sun is actually coming out. It was a very rainy evening. Um, uh, did I mention salsa dancing? I don't think I mentioned salsa dancing. You didn't salsa mention dancing. salsa dancing. So the the coolest thing, which I think, well, not the coolest thing, one of the bazillion cool things that we experienced this weekend, which I think needs to be normalized, is there was a band outside of the stadium. After every every game, or at least the past three nights, that's all we can vouch for. And it was just super cool to see fans from both sides come together and dance. And I was excited. The first night was a Puerto Rican salsa g- uh, band. Second night was definitely United States music, some contemporary stuff that... That we're too old for. Exactly. We don't know. But it was fun. It was fun to listen to and to dance to and to see the crowd rally around and then last night was cuban salsa music which interestingly was definitely had the, the little bit of a protest tinge to it it was definitely reaching out to the cuban patria vida crowd out there everybody was dancing everybody
0: yep. win or lose and that was also the vibe in the ballpark we're all sitting next to people rooting for whoever and everyone's yeah. just having a good time this was again i'm just gonna say it one more time was the
1: best baseball experience i've ever had no doubt so start saving your pennies now for four years from now when this happens again for sure, we got to go back. We got to go yeah. back. Also, for
0: your best baseball experience coming up, please sign up for our <laughs> fantasy league with our stupid, stupid rules. We're getting going any second now that we've we've uh, profiled all of our boyfriends. We can now let you know who you can't pick, so you can pick everybody else. Please let us know on social media, Potty Mouth. Where can they
1: find us? Find us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook, and Instagram as No Crying in and ball and check out our Patreon. It is my hope to uh, put some photos maybe video I don't know I have some random stuff I didn't do as well as I could have with sounds the- of
0: the game though man yeah. there were that that's amazing
1: yeah yeah I had I had high hopes that so we I brought the microphone to every game and and had hoped that I would be friendly after the game and interview people but it just didn't
0: happen. I only knocked the phone and microphone out of potty mouse handle once by jumping <laughs> up and down and cheering.
1: I tried so whatever I, I do have to go back into the files I may or may not have been a few beers in by the those times so i really actually i don't know what i recorded or took pictures of but anyway patreon yeah find it on patreon it's going to be at patreon.com/ com slash no crying and bee ball throw us just a buck a month and you will help us um pay for our beer while we record or break even on our expenses and get some sort of cool stuff that we'll put on the patreon page for sure, and hey, fight the man! Apparently, that happens a lot at the World
0: Baseball Classic, and it's the right yes. thing to do. Send your games ball, game balls to Meredith. We didn't catch any, but we tried Meredith, and I'm sure I'm sure he would have given away a World Baseball Classic sure. for your research. And until next time, say good night, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. We had to unplug the toaster to plug in the computer, so we're having a whole situation.